Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. What is 5G and why should you care? How does it compare to 4G, which it seems like we just got yesterday? Well, there's some very interesting aspects of 5G, which is going to change the way we live, actually. I believe that's what my guest is going to say today, but I'm going to let her tell you that. But we're also going to talk about what are the advantages, what are the disadvantages, if any, and what does it mean about smart cities and how is 5G related to smart cities? My guest has the answers for us. She is Susan Diegelman. She is the Director of Public Affairs at AT AT&T. Susan, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Hello, Shirley. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this topic, so I'm very excited to be here. Well, AT&T has really been doing a lot of work Mm -hmm. on the 5G technology. So let's just first start off by defining what in the world is it? Right. What is 5G? Good question. Because you see lots of advertisements, you see things on TV, you see things all over the paper about how it's going to change our world and paradigm shifting and all of this. And so I think it's important to first say it's not just like one more G. It's not 4G plus one. It's actually a different a different infrastructure, a different type of network that is being built out alongside our current 4G LTE network. And so in a way, it will supplement that and it'll bring a sort of double capacity and capacity in sort of a different, in a different way. And so I know you're, you're, you were kind of here to educate. So I'm just going to go under the covers just a little bit and say that, sure. yeah, that, that the 5G really has a couple of building blocks that we don't see in 4G The first is um, that the signals run across a different type of spectrum, right? Spectrum is radio waves, and they carry our wireless signals and our data. And so millimeter wave spectrum that runs on a higher frequency band is critical for 5G. And millimeter wave spectrum carries much more data, has much more capacity, but the signal doesn't go quite as far. If you think of it... um, as comparison to low band spectrum, which we use today for 4G LTE, which travels much further, but doesn't quite have quite as much um, much capacity, you could compare it to shining a light. So if I have a light bulb and it's sort of effervescing, I turn it on and that light diffuses and it goes out from all around the bulb and it goes out from everywhere. So that's sort of a low band analogy versus a flashlight where my signal, my light, is more um, focused and it's much more sort of solid where I'm directing it. So there's a little bit more of a, of a difference in, in broadcasting capacity. So the millimeter wave spectrum will work alongside or on top of, in some cases, All right, now the, flashlight the other type. Is, the flashlight is the 4G. So the flashlight is the 5G. The 5G. Yes. Okay, so it's focusing has... It's going to have more clarity, but doesn't travel as far. Correct. Okay, I, I got you there. Right, versus like a general broadcasting out from every now, direction. Now, what does that mean about towers? Do you have to have towers, or how is it going to be? Because if you if it's not going as far, then right. there's going to be some way to transmit it. So how is that going to be incorporated into the yep. 5G rollout? Absolutely. So the second piece of this is the antenna structure of the network. Mm-hmm. So what we will be deploying or we've begun deploying around the nation and in many cities are called small cell antennas. And small cells are about the shape of a size and shape of a shoebox, more or less. Mm-hmm. And so the millimeter wave spectrum signal can travel, you know, two, three, four hundred yards. 
before it needs to find another small cell antenna. It's like giving it a boost and it, sending it, it on. It needs to sort of, you know, find its next point, find its next point to continue along at this, you know, amazing level of capacity that it has. And so the small cell structure is a little bit different than what we have today, which are the LT antennas that are on the macro towers. Mm-hmm. Primarily, you know, you see them outside of town. They're 70 sure. stories high. They're, you know, and those... And they're decorated are, to look like a pine and tree. Sometimes, they look, <laughs> sometimes church steeple, pine tree, if you're on a golf course, right. you know, they're beautiful. They're so blended. Um, but those have a capacity of broadcasting perhaps up to 10 miles, depending on your topography. So there will be a difference and there will be small cells that will be on macro towers as well. We will certainly use every square foot. So utilize foot what you've already we got can. constructed. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but we'll also, you'll, small cells will be in our communities. They'll be all around us. They'll be in buildings. They'll be under the eaves of rooftops. They'll be on top of uh, utility poles. Wow. That, and, that, Susan, that boggles my mind because so, yeah. you're going to have a lot more of these small cells right. than you have right now of the towers. Yes, yes, you do. And so that's why I bring it up for, for listeners because it could be alarming at first of like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of antennas. But really, the radioactivity around them is, is very low. They're, they'll be disguised. You will probably not even know that most of them are there. Um, it's really, you know, that those things are built out, they're protected, they're regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's lots of rules to follow and it's all, sure. you know, and, it, and so really, but the interesting about 5G is that a lot of the conversations that are happening to get 5G in place, to get these small cells in place in many cities and municipal areas, those conversations happen at the state level, at the municipal level, at the town council. Wow different conversation layers yes a lot of layers of approvals and regulation a very different conversation than previous network upgrades which are sort of happening on a national level and the fcc you know sort of guiding and just a very different um well is that why we hear we hear talk about smart cities because i assume they're going to be using the 5g technology to do all the things you want to do would that be an accurate statement yeah absolutely so if i step back go a little bit bigger back from the building blocks. And I say, you know, in in general, 5G, you can expect faster connections with the ability to handle greater volumes of data across many more millions of devices with much faster responsiveness, near instant responsiveness. Because I know I've done stuff at the FCC and I serve on their Mm -hmm. uh, committee there. And I know that one of the discussions has always been about the ability to access whether or not there's enough room. I don't know what they call it. I mean, whatever. Can you can you expand to accommodate every day all the millions of the capacity and, and mm-hmm. yeah, the capacity? Thank you. Right. All the the uh, devices that are being added in using this network. So how do you how do you uh, expand it? So you're saying that 5G is going to give us more capacity, right? Faster speeds, right? Okay. I mean, I think it's awfully fast right now. Across, <laughs> right? I mean, it amazes me. Right? Um, you can't escape from it, Susan. You know that. Right. So, but but the thing is, but across millions more devices, yes. thinking smartphones, but the number of sensors and widgets. And little things that are going to be a part of our surroundings, whether we're in a smart city, we're in an autonomous vehicle, we're on a precision agriculture device that's driving itself around in the middle of a huge field. So when we think today of devices, we may think of our laptops or our smartphones, um, a GPS system. We might think of that, although that's a little bit of a different signal. 
But there are really, you know, millions and millions of widgets. What's a different signal? Well, I was thinking of a GPS, like a navigation in your car. Okay. Okay. But then it's going to work a little differently. But but my point is, you know, we think of these big things that we hold in our hands. Oh, absolutely. Um, but really, you know, when we have the, when the smart cities do sort of come to bear, which, you know, we see applications that are in place today, um, the number of sensors and little widgets and little pieces that are connected and do collect and move data is just going to explode, you know, mil- millions Your exponentially. and everything else. Okay, let's just take a brief pause here and let our listeners know they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Susan Diegelman. She is the Director of Public Affairs at AT&T. And we're talking about smart cities, 5G, what is it, where is it? Okay, you've really helped me to understand. So in some places where 5G will not be deployed initially, you'll still have 4G. So we're still going to have what I call lightning speed. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems, and clarity, and I, I love all my, my gadgets. But at any rate, um, what we will what we will see is the ability to go into different areas. And I know that there's been talk about the smart cars. This will use this technology, I gather. Smart cities, tell us what smart mm-hmm. cities are. Mm-hmm. How do you all define it? I know you've got a number of places you're working on, what you would call smart cities. Right, right. So I think, you know, before I get into smart cities, if you think of it a little bit bigger, you talked about your gadgets and things being connected. You can think of Wi-Fi, right? And that mm-hmm. is going to connect hundreds of devices. 4G is connecting thousands of devices. And 5G will be connecting millions of them, devices and sensors per square mile. And with all of this connecting, it really does enable, um, you know, a, an entity, a city, a company, an industry, whatever, to almost isolate out and locate specific devices within certain networks to watch them or monitor them or collect data from them. Now, what will be using 5G? My phone. Yes. What else? Yeah. Your phone, Your I'm going to say your phone eventually. You know, okay. yes, your phone, but your phone may, you know, just sort of in reality, switch back and forth between 5 and 4G. As you said, you get a great performance on 4G LTE mm-hmm. to do the things on your phone anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But 5G becomes really critical when you're looking at things, um, video, moving video, Mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, I can give you a bunch of stats about how our data on our network has increased and our video traffic specifically. But if you think about it, like what's video? You know, it's um, some of the smart city stuff. It's um, 4K HD signals for entertainment, uh, online gaming, um, drones, drones that are flying around streaming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that can be law enforcement that can be agriculture you know, lot, many uses for drones so you know we think of video it's it's not just kind of so me sitting and watching these, tv this will be the communication device between all of this yes okay yes so the smart cities are going to be cities that are using this technology to develop systems i assume within it to control transportation health services etc cetera, etc cetera. is right. that Right, right. So you really start with, if you're thinking about things that, you know, what what would benefit consumers? Why do consumers care about 5G? What's going to change for them that they don't have today? Um, you know, the, 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 the more devices, but also that instantaneous response, that lower latency in the network really supports all kinds of cool advancements that, that we like, that we want to see, augmented reality, virtual reality. That's a lot of our online gaming stuff. You know, we mm-hmm. always have demand for those types of fun things, but then those things sort of feed into some bigger 
uh, bigger value for society, for, for cities and individuals, autonomous vehicles, as you said, um, telemedicine, mobile apps and devices for, for health, um, and then again, smart and connected homes, which if you peel back the smart and connected home discussion, you're really looking at features around the home mm-hmm. that can enhance your like safety, you can set your security. thermostat if you're away, or if right. you can turn on the yeah. oven. Maybe not. I don't know. But right, but you, <laughs> you can you'll see be who's going in and out of your yeah. house. You can do safety, all of those security, things. Safety, security. And now we um, have the ability to do that now. But you're saying this will be enhanced, and there will be more features of it available through 5G. I think so. I think yeah. that it'll be enhanced in terms of you need an instantaneous reaction mm-hmm. when you're asking a network to do perform functions like this. Like I said, you know, safety, security, there will be some features that will aid in accessibility to get around the house. You know, independent living, huge mm-hmm. issue for as we get mm-hmm. older. Um, sustainability, as you said, let me turn that thermostat up while I'm out. Let me make mm-hmm. sure that water's off or, mm-hmm. you know, just... Things that help mm-hmm. you kind of just think. Well, you could have sensors too. That if you have a broken pipe, I suppose. And Wouldn't it be great to like have a little alarm go off and come home and find their house flooded? That right. has happened to a neighbor of mine. Yep, yep. A little alarm goes off, and you know, I think I got a leak in my house. I need mm-hmm. to, you know, either call somebody or have somebody come and and, and take sure. care of that, sure. right? And so those kinds of things, and you can use the autonomous vehicle is the best example of if I'm riding in the vehicle. And the vehicle sends a signal to the next vehicle over as well as the network saying, I need to put the brakes on. The brakes better go on right then, (laughs) right? Not three seconds later. Now, that will be very different. That will be using a connectivity to control the car. Now, my husband has a car that has a Mm -hmm. semi-driving itself feature. Okay. It'll stay within the lanes. Right. It'll start and stop. It'll follow traffic. It slows up. It goes faster. I love it. It's wonderful to drive. But that's not really what we're talking about here. No. Because now I'm in control of the car. But right. you're talking about a computer system or a programming system right. that's going to be driving the car completely without drivers. Now, I know that's been tried. You all have, I believe you've launched a couple of driverless cars have you you're in the testing stages uh, so we are in in a relationship with uber and we're, what we're looking at is actually air taxis so um i don't think we're we, we might be doing some stuff on the ground as well but we've ah. just talked about doing air driverless air taxis for deliveries right for yeah. stuff like that yeah of course um, that makes sense yeah yeah i mean but you know when you think of the autonomous vehicle there are so many cool features today and actually i think if you look at autonomous vehicles in like a legislative fashion, there's like four levels, right? You can do this, you can do that, or you need more approvals or this or that or whatever. So if I'm talking about kind of like taking this to the max, mm-hmm. it's really that the vehicle itself can communicate with the next vehicle over. How close am I to you? I need more space uh-huh. between you. The vehicle in front of it and behind the stoplight, you know, the, the traffic signals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, perhaps some sort of mapping, municipal mapping system, where am I going? Do I need to make a left or a right? You know, what you know, what what's going on? Is there an accident four blocks up that I need to get over to the left lane to avoid? Mm-hmm. So, so there's the, actually the car a lot will of make all those decisions. But now yes. let me tell you, when when we start talking about this, the first thing that comes to my mind is some of the movies that I've seen where somebody <laughs> from a distance takes over a car and runs him over a right, cliff or right. does or does something very dramatic like that. Right. Now I know that's drama. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But I do know, I just read somewhere that the Chinese have 
these hundreds of thousands of hundred thousand hackers that are aimed at taking over sure. corporations yeah. and focusing on. It. I guess right. they employ them. It's a pretty awful thing. But anyway, but it, to me, one of the concerns that I would have is mm-hmm. having a car that doesn't have any emotions but has reasoning ability, deciding where to go, how to turn, how fast to go, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there, we're gonna we're gonna get into that in the in the the next segment. So let's just take a brief pause here. Let our listeners know they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Susan Diggleman. She is the Director of Public Affairs at AT AT&T. And we're talking about 5G and how it is in the future. But as a matter of fact, let me ask you, Susan, how far in the future is 5G? What are you you looking at? You have some cities now that you – where are we on the development? Right. So AT&T has uh, 19 cities currently that we are, um, we'll say, sort of partially deployed. And because we do pick areas that, you know, we're trialing different Mm -hmm. things, um, we will be at 30 cities by the end of this year. And we are hoping to have um, sort of full national coverage by the middle of 2020. Now, what does that mean for me? Let's say I live in Atlantis, one of the cities I know that you all are, are designated as a smart city. Yes. What is that going to mean? mean to me living in Atlanta? First off, what is it going to cost me? So I don't know the answer to that yet, to be honest. I I don't know how the um, incorporation of this network would change, um, you know, an individual's monthly bill, frankly. I think some of it depends on what type of phone are you running? Is your car on this bill? You know, we sure. can have multiple lines sure. of multiple, service on multiple the bill. Multiple kinds of so things. So what are that you all these do? things? Right. So, so you, people are going to have options. They want to drive themselves. They can drive themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Options. I happen to like yeah. to drive. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Yeah. But really, I mean, from a consumer experience, I think that um, you know what I'm hearing is as the 5G, as the small cells go up, and we continue to trial. There's always that option that if if there is it's capacity, right? So this mm-hmm. millimeter may spectrum, it can take more and more people on it and more and more data than previous, but or low band spectrum, I should say. But there still are if there are a million people out there, you know, are we yeah. ready to handle a million people yet? I don't know. Yeah. And in that case, when that spectrum gets a little full, that network, you can still roll back to the 4G LTE. Mm-hmm. And so I think our expectation is that as this deploys, there won't be you know, an impact on consumers where they're like, oh my gosh, I, my calls are dropped. I can't, you know, right. There'll be choices. I I mean, I guess that's the thing that concerns me as someone who's always looking at it from the consumer's perspective is, well, I have a choice. Right. And I don't think that consumers would feel the pinch during an upgrade. Mm -hmm. I think that for many of the things that we do today, we're probably okay on 4G LTE, Mm -hmm. you know, to get those Mm -hmm. things done. And then as we continue to upgrade and grow, those capacities become available. And it, you're not going to have a, a period where you're like, oh, my, my calls are dropped or what happened? You know, what? Mm-hmm. I, that, that is something that there's enough infrastructure in place that those things shouldn't be blown back on the consumer that way. Okay. Now, what about uh, th- this is a kind of off the wall question, but I, I was just in Alaska. Okay. And I found that uh, or when I took a vacation in Alaska. I found that there are many spots that don't have any kind of cell service at all. Now, I know that's because it's a vast wilderness there and and so on. What will 5G, will it have an impact that will be more easily deployed into underserved areas? Or do you, do you, Mm -hmm. you got your crystal ball out there and give me an answer? Okay. (laughs) I do because I work directly with a lot of the rural consumer groups in, in the United States. So it's a great question. 
Um, people live in Alaska, but we also have a lot of farmers and ranchers oh, yes. in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful country. Where's we my 5G, right? I yes. want to track my, literally, where are my cows? Where's my water, right? And so the the rural underserved in some cases situation is that 5G is initially intended to lighten the load in our cities, in our densely populated areas. To help our transportation, for one thing. To help our transportation, to modernize some of our systems, some of our crumbling infrastructure. Um, You know, I can come back to this, but you've probably heard people say, you know, 5G is sort of the spearhead of the fourth industrial revolution, right? There was steam, there was electricity, there's a microchip, Mm -hmm. and now there's this, Right. Um, I do, you know, I do believe that. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about infrastructure and roads and other things that are really suffering that, you know, could could handle, you know, more more capacity in their mm-hmm. own right, being sort of connected and, and maybe uh, managed a little bit differently. Um, but anyway, so but back to the rural piece. Um, so really, the, the cities are the first focus. Now, what we have looked at is in rural areas where we have macro towers and they, you know, those are the 70 footers that are blinged out with all the different carriers antennas and they can, you know, maybe reach a signal up to 10, 10 miles away, Mm -hmm. um, having small cells there and then putting some small cells through if there's a main street area or like a main intersection or an area, a little hamlet where a lot of people live, being able to put some small small cells, pardon me, strategically in those areas could take some load off of the tower. And if we could take 20% off the tower, that feels really different. When you're the consumer, in terms of speed and Absolutely. everything, access, what yeah, you the, 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 the reaction time, capacity, that latency, I've a new word. capacity, <laughs> that right. right. But really, the big word to take away here is latency. How long it takes to get a response to the request you make to the network. I got you. And that will improve also on 4G LTE as well. Because you're taking some of the load off. Well, we're taking the load off, right? But overall, and this started, you know, four or five years ago where we looked at our networks and we said, you know, we're going to really start embedding software. We now run what we call a software-defined network Mm -hmm. where the network doesn't just push information across, you know, like dummy and put put in a queue and push it across. Mm -hmm. The network can start to actually make decisions about what what is this, what is that, how do I best utilize the capacity Mm -hmm. that I have Mm -hmm. in this exact Mm -hmm. moment. Okay, uh, and that's on 4G as well as 5G. Only got a, only got a minute and a half here. Okay, tell me, is the deployment of 5G much more expensive than the deployment of 4G was, or is it going to be comparable? Do you have any idea? I I honestly don't know. Don't know the answer okay. to that. I mean, you know, it's a whole different. It's one of those things where those the, the antennas are much smaller, but wow, you need so many so more many of, of them. them. Yep, yep. Um, and the process to get all those things in place is very different. Well, and then the going having to get layers of approval right. to get it done. Yeah. 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 What kind of feedback are you getting from consumers? Uh, are they curious? I mean, I don't personally don't think that most people know what really 5G is and what it's going to mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I don't pretend to really know. You've certainly helped enlighten me today. Mm-hmm. What are we hearing from consumers? A lot of, is this going to be faster? A lot of questions about video. I mean, I, you know, I will leave you with some sort of fun stats. You know, we launched the iPhone. AT&T had an exclusive on the iPhone. We launched it in June 2007. And since then, our network traffic has grown. Just data. Could be video. Could be other. Mm-hmm. 470,000% since then. Good grief. Right. 75% of this data is video. 
No wonder we're talking about capacity. Which is why I'm telling you capacity, capacity, it's video, right? It's that movie right? that I was watching, Susan. I didn't know it was going to make such a difference. <laughs> you really blew us out, Shirley. I really did. But really, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine. And, you know, we, when we like joke, I was there. I was at the company. I was in, mob- I was oh, in mobility yeah. for public safety. We launched an iPhone. And, man, that thing wow. launched. And we were like, wow. oh, my gosh. Because it launched the app economy, all kinds of people, all kinds yeah. of capacity issues. We're, you know what? So it's to going to happen it. again. We're going to talk about this again. Okay. We're, unfortunately, <laughs> I could talk about it for a time, long time. Time flies by here when we're having fun. Thank you so much. Thank You've you. been listening to Of Consuming Interest. My guest has been Susan Diggleman, who's the Director of Public Affairs for AT&T. And I think you've learned a lot about 5G today, folks. I certainly have. Thank you so much, Susan. That was very informative for Thank us. Thank you for having me. And we're looking into the future. Thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.